The following program is being brought to you on the 7th Wave Network. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit 7thWaveNetwork.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation with your host, Peter Tong. This program will provide the groundwork you need to advance your awareness and be involved in the approaching transformation in consciousness. Now, your host, Peter Tong. Hello and welcome to Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation with your host, Peter Tong. Hope you're having a wonderful day. We had the full moon last night in all of its glory, full moon in Gemini, and Uranus turning direct relative to the Earth and moving forward. And it feels like there's a, a real freeing up that has taken place today. We have a gorgeous sunny day today, December 18th, right under the center of the Milky Way galaxy. And my guest today has done some traveling out into the Milky Way galaxy. Graham Nichols has written two Wonderful books, Avenues of the Human Spirit and Navigating the Out-of-Body Experience because Graham himself has had out-of-body experiences since uh, being a child. So, Graham, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. So, perhaps you could begin by uh, just telling our listeners a little bit about your background and how all this uh, has evolved for you. Okay. Well, it started for me when I was around... 12 years old in terms of the out-of-body experiences. Actually, I'd had some unusual experiences going right back to when I was around five or six years old. Um, the first thing that ever happened to me was seeing a, a premonition of a tall figure standing in the hallway of the apartment I grew up in. Um, and then had various minor, smaller experiences, I guess, over, over time. And then when I reached around 12 years old, I started to have small, brief out-of-body experiences that usually included me standing upright but floating a few feet above the ground. So it wasn't the the standard out-of-body experiences that you hear about where you're looking down at the physical body. It was more of an experience of like a separate self being at a different location, upright, um, and seeing the surroundings where I was, which was usually not far from where I grew up, around my, around my home. Um, and then after that, I just went on a journey to try and find out what was happening to me. Um, got a book by a parapsychologist called Janet Lee Mitchell, studied all of the research that she'd done, and then tried out a few of the techniques in the back of the book. Went through that systematically for around six months. I was really committed at the time. And then had my first induced out-of-body experience in which I felt almost like a, a jolt of lightning or some very powerful energy went through my body. And I found myself looking down at myself from above. So it was more of the classic out-of-body experience. And how old, um, how old were you at that point, Graham? 
This was around 14. Um, so I guess the first experiences happened around 12 and then around 13, 13 and a half. I went out and got the book um, and then spent the next six months going through the the process and then had my first induced OBE. So let's... Uh, Tell me and, and our listeners then, what, what, as a 12-year-old boy and having this, this experience, how did you feel? I didn't really know what to, to think of it, really. I, I always had a slightly scientific attitude, I guess. I was always quite logical in a way, so I didn't straight away assume that it was a, a real thing and that it was objective and all of that. And the experiences did last for a small period of time so I wasn't really sure what to make of them but I think I heard something about it in the media and then I just wanted to know more and decided to explore it a bit at that point um, but emotionally I think it was just interest I think I was just very intrigued what was going on. And the great news is that you've spent the rest of your life studying it looking into it and looking at it from a very objective perspective from a scientific perspective as well as your own philosophical one and also um, continuing to have them right through to now yeah sure I, I've definitely tried to use as much of a scientific approach as I could because I just see that as trying to apply truth as the as the guide if you like by looking at what's actually going on within the experience rather than the beliefs and the ideas and all of the things that people bring to it. I wanted to say, well, what is actually happening to me and what can I learn from this and where can it take me? So I think that's where the I really value the scientific kind of angle. I describe it in the first book as being almost like the ultimate meditation because it's science in a sense, or the scientific method at least, is about looking at the world as it really is to some degree. Um, and I think that's a really amazing way to, to approach spirituality. So how would you actually define, if you wanted to define an out-of-body experience, could you put that into words for us? Well, I, I think it's quite, it's quite a wide thing in a way. And, and, and in some senses, I think that we, we need to create new, new ideas around what, what might be taking place as well. But in a very simple sense, I think it's an experience of our sense of self being separated from where our physical body is located. So that could be in the room looking at ourselves in the sort of classic way, but it could also be at a completely different location. In my out-of-body experiences, I often feel like myself, that the part that is really me is, is the part that's traveling in, a, in is a, another location. My physical body, in many senses, doesn't even feel like me, really. When I, when I look at myself in an out-of-body experience, it's almost like looking at a photograph of myself. I can recognize it's me, but in many ways, it doesn't feel like me. The, the, the experience of self is completely separated from the body. And, and what is your sense of why it is that someone like you is, is if you want to call it, susceptible to this, uh, having spontaneous ones as a child, whereas other people don't have this experience at all. Any sense of what that difference is? It's hard to say. I, I guess in a, in a scientific sense, um, it might be something like uh, temporal lobe sensitivity. Um, there's, there's various ideas around um, what might be going on in terms of the brain and how it allows you to have these kinds of experiences, whether someone's naturally psychic and those kinds of things, or 
I guess um, it could have been the particular set of circumstances that I experienced growing up, maybe something to do with the building and the environment. It's very, very hard to say. Um, but I, I think like with most things, like with a musician or someone who's very gifted in any particular skill, be them a sportsman or whatever, I think these things are sometimes just a part of the natural makeup of an individual uh, and sometimes they're, they're to do with their environment. So it's a kind of nature-nurture kind of question. Um, but I, I, don't, I don't really know is, is, the, is the clearest answer. Now, paradoxically, you lived uh, in inner-city London and, and had some challenges mm. growing up in, in, in that uh, situation, and yet you were also having these uh, magnificent experiences out of body. So, so how, did that, how did that match up for you? I think that was one of the most intriguing aspects of my childhood in many ways because I was I was in this very urban right in central London surrounded by lots of problems and uh you know the bravado I guess that you have in in the city with people competing with each other and all of those kinds of things um and then I was having these very unusual experiences and I had no context to put them into my parents weren't spiritual or religious or anything like that so there was no real context I, I i didn't really know what to put them into so i guess that sent me on this individual journey and and led me to start th considering the bigger picture and so although i was connected with the more urban side of life i was also becoming more interested in literature and art and expanding my horizons because I was reading and learning about these kinds of subjects. So it really had a big impact on me. I, I guess the the other people around me in my school and things like that, some of them were a bit fearful about it and others were very interested in it. So it was a it was a mixture of, of uh attitudes, I guess. Yeah, absolutely. So one of the most profound early experiences I, I, I think you had was, was uh, a precognitive out-of-body experience, which I'd love you to explain to, to our listeners what that was like for you and what actually happened. Okay, well, on that particular day, we had a small meeting. There was uh, four of us, uh, well, four others other than me, and I essentially was teaching this new technique that I developed, which I call the G technique. Um, I was demonstrating it, and, and at the beginning, I felt a sense that nothing was really working. It wasn't really going very well. But then suddenly, at one moment, I felt this kind of over overriding em energy that made me go right down onto the ground. And then I found myself instantly in an out-of-body experience, I then was drifting through what looked like a kind of forest or jungle-type environment, lots of trees and plants and maybe uh, a kind of stream and things like that. And then that seemed to break, and I found myself standing on the corner of Moore Street and Old Compton Street, which juts out in, in a kind of point in the centre of London. And then I saw an explosion burst out from the right-hand side of the street, the general chaos begin and uh, a man run close by me on my right-hand side and generally look around the environment. And then I felt this kind of wave of energy just hit me. It kind of felt like it hit me in my, in my chest and my upper body. And then I was aware I was back 
kind of in my body. But at the same time, there was a sense that I wasn't fully in normal consciousness. I was in a kind of liminal state between being fully conscious and being unconscious. And one of the others there slowly coaxed me back to normal consciousness. And then I described what I'd seen and I had a conviction that it was a precognitive experience and that this bombing that I'd witnessed on Old Compton Street was going to take place. So I didn't quite know where to put that at the time because I, I wasn't even sure that I believed in precognition and, and things like that. But I had this conviction and I, I didn't know, so I, I described it to the others there and that was really um, the first time I'd ever described anything like that in terms of precognition anyway. And then what happened? And then five days later, um, the, ex the bombing happened exactly as I'd seen it um, on Old Compton Street in a, in a pub called the Admiral Duncan. Um, so it was a very challenging thing because to see that just five days before it happened so accurately and to have uh, four other people in the room witness the, out the actual out-of-body experience, I don't know of any other... OBE experience in the literature like that so I think it was quite an amazing and unique experience. So how, how did you feel at this point having had this very very clear awareness and then it actually happened in the world how did you feel about that? It was hugely challenging it really <laughs> <laughs> it really made me wonder about the whole time space side of things and led me to look a lot more into things like quantum physics and um, just physics in general and this whole idea of how time and space operate, I guess. <laughs> and, what yeah, was, and what conclusions did you have you come to? Well, I guess that, that time and space don't maybe function in exactly the way we, we generally think of them in such a linear way. I guess uh, when you go down to a quantum level, um, I had a conversation with Dean Radin and he described to me how when you go down to a quantum level, time doesn't operate in the way it does when we think on a kind of macro level. So maybe I perceive some kind of potentiality of the future or something of that nature. But again, it's it's open. I, I, I'm still open to what, what might have actually been going on. Absolutely fascinating discussion with Graham Nichols, which is going to continue through the rest of the show, I can assure you. We'll take the first break now. It's Peter Tong for Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation. This is the 7th Wave Channel on the Voice America Network. Do you want to reach your highest potential in your personal and business life? Come and join our heart-centered community with Peter Tung and Sherry Chase. Embrace love, abundance, integrity, and personal empowerment in a safe and sacred space for your awakening. Our intention is to lay the groundwork for you to advance your awareness efficiently, to be fully involved in the conscious co-creation of peace and prosperity on our beautiful planet. Go to MyHeartCenteredJourney.com for more information. Are you looking to advance spiritually? Listen each week for Spiritual Enlightenment, Advancing One's Wisdom. Your host, Medium Maureen Allen, will cover an array of spiritual topics aimed to help you advance your soul's desired growth. 
Each week, areas of spirituality will be discussed and explored ranging from strange, paranormal experiences to heaven, spirit guides, and angels. To learn more about the other dimensions and how to better assist your path of evolution, tune into Spiritual Enlightenment, Advancing One's Wisdom, every Tuesday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time, 7 p.m. Eastern, on the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Be Visionary. This is the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Listening to Awakening to Conscious Co Creation with Peter Tong. If you have a question for Peter or comment on this series, please send an email to descendingdove at gmail.com. That's descendingdove at gmail.com. Now back to our program. Welcome back to Awakening to Conscious Co Creation with your host, Peter Tong. Just a reminder to go to my website, www.pidatung.com, where all of the archived radio shows are listed chronologically and alphabetically, over 230 shows now, and all of my newsletters, the monthly newsletter uh, with uh, descriptions of what is taking place in the world of spirit, I believe, today, and uh, Landscape Zodiac work uh, with some wonderful uh, photographs of those, of those occasions. And also, if you are interested in joining our live meditations, uh, just click on the events page and you can go there. And every Thursday morning at 11.30, I am doing a live meditation with uh, a group of people uh, in the room and also the opportunity for you anywhere in the world to join us for that opportunity. Just click on the events uh, button on my uh, petertongue.com website and also www.myheartcenteredjourney.com. Uh, and the Ambassadors of Light program, where we have a class actually tomorrow evening at 5.30, where I'll be uh, summarizing the year's events and bringing us right up to speed with what is happening in the world today, from my perspective. Having a fascinating discussion with Graham Nichols today, who's written two wonderful books, Avenues of the Human Spirit and Navigating the Out-of-Body Experience. And Graham, you had a second precognitive uh, out-of-body experience of great significance, which I'd love you to explain to our listeners as well. Yeah, it was it was a few years later um, in 2004. I I had an out of body experience. This this time it was very unusual in terms of how the experience actually began, um, because I was I was walking through my home, uh, walking down a flight of stairs, and just going into the kitchen diner of where I lived at the time. And as I walked into the room, I just felt this energy rising within my body, something similar to what I usually get before I have an out-of-body experience. But on this occasion, it had a slightly different quality, and it, but, but I was aware what it was. And so I decided to go with that energy, and I basically uh, laid down again, as I, I ha- had in uh, the previous experience, and I just felt this uh, energy kind of dissolve the room almost. The whole room seemed to just fade away. And then the next thing I knew, I was in an out-of-body experience. And 
I was high up above Moorgate tube station in central London and I slowly drifted down straight through the uh, tarmac of the of the road straight down into the tunnel so I, I found myself floating above where the where the tracks are but I, I was it was almost like I was standing on the platform but I was I wasn't on the platform I was further out over the tracks and I could see the, the sign the under London Underground sign with Moorgate station written on it then I had this sense of the there was a train up a up ahead in the tunnel and I started to follow the train um, everything was this kind of bluish grey again which was consistent with the Soho experience and I started to drift down the tunnel and the, the train pulled into Liverpool Street Station and so I stopped at the back, at, back of the train at Liverpool Street Station and then the train began to pull away off towards Allgate East Station and I just stayed there at Liverpool Street Station. So again, I was kind of at a distance to the actual events which unfolded, which were in this occasion, again, a bombing. And again, there was a kind of wave of energy that came back from from the explosion that seemed to hit this uh, sense of self, this kind of body that I was occupying in the experience. Um, and as that energy hit me, I felt this wave of emotion. I felt like I could feel and see and uh, get an impression of the people in that situation. And then that again brought me back to my to my body. Um, so it was it was again a very powerful and uh, quite challenging experience. And some people died in that explosion. Were you aware of that at that moment? I think so. I, I was I was aware of a kind of anguish um, that you could possibly connect with them dying, but I wouldn't say that it was literally that I was definitely sure that someone had died. But I had this sense of kind of a moment of extreme anguish or or um, pain, possibly. And so this was in two thousand and four. So what actually did happen? In our reality, well, on on the seventh of July two thousand and five, uh, there was an explosion at Morgate. Sorry, not at Morgate at uh, Allgate East Station, um, as I'd as I'd experienced it in, in that out of body experience. So it it, uh, it was it was very challenging because I think for the whole the whole period before that happened, because it was a much longer time scale than the Soho experience, I was kind of on edge. I was aware that something might happen and I was conscious of that and um, was conscious of my uh, my family and things like that because all of my family are from London. Uh, my, my father actually worked on... Edgware Road tube station, um, which was also one of the stations that was attacked um, on that day. So it was it was definitely had a personal connection for me, a sort of emotional link to the events. So did you avoid Oldgate uh, East Station during that time? Yeah, I, I essentially avoided <laughs> the, the the Circle Line and and uh, the. Uh, Hammersmith and City, the kind of you know the 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 lines that go around that 
that part of London. I, I basically uh, did to some degree avoid them, but but then at the same time I was struggling with my rational side, thinking, no, this this can't be. You know, um, it's it, you know you can't see things that like that before they happen. I was I was struggling with that whole concept, but then obviously when it happened again, I, I was in a situation where it's very hard to deny it, you know? So this is almost, or, or it was a year later. Um, I'm not exactly sure of the time scale exactly, but, but it was, it was in 2004 that I, I had the, uh, the experience and then it happened in 2005, but I don't know if it was a full year. Right. But it was, yeah, but it was, it was a significant time difference there. And, yeah. and I guess one of the things you must be thinking is what what was I supposed to do with this information and knowledge? Mm. Well, yeah, for sure. I, I I had a sense whether I should uh, try to warn people and things like that. But then at the same time, there's this uh, this thing of, you know, if you go to the police or anything like that, it's they're going to see you as, as crazy. And even if they don't, I didn't also want to take the risk of wasting their time or anything like that so you, sure. you're in this difficult situation where you you have this information and you don't quite know what to do with it so I guess I've generally shared the information with the people around me who who knew me and and that way uh, try to give give some sense of warning and in, in that way but but at the same time like I said I, I wasn't convinced that either of these events were definitely going to happen. It was, it was a completely new area for me. I'd never had a, a precognitive experience before. So uh, having had these two experiences, which obviously have a similarity to them in both involving bombs and so on, and you, and, and you had taken to these locations to obviously witness this scene. So what do you think, why do you think it was those particular events that you were shown as precognitive ones? My, my personal theory is that it's probably something to do with the emotional impact and the emotional connection that I have to London. So both my personal investment in the city and also the emotional uh, outpouring that these kinds of events create. So, uh, for example, I could reference the Global Consciousness Project, for example, which I don't know if you know yeah, about. Please, please do. Yeah, 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 surely. The, the, global, the Global Consciousness Project uses um, random number generators that, that are placed throughout the world. And when a very significant event happens, like, for example, 9-11, there's uh, the randomness of the generators suddenly stops being random and they suddenly become much more consistent. Um, and this is a phenomenon they've observed on countless major events like uh, like Princess Diana's death, for example, or 9-11 or situations where there's a huge amount of emotional and conscious focus on a particular uh, event globally. And the most, recent one, the, most, the most recent one would be Nelson Mandela. This, this is last week. Possibly, yeah. I, I, I don't know what the the stats on that are at the moment but yeah they would i'm sure they will have a look and see if there was any anything that happened at that particular time but an interesting thing about a lot of this data when when the when the synchronization happens it often happens before slightly before the actual event actually takes place so the the run, random num number generators begin to synchronize 
maybe a few hours before the actual 9-11 or whatever event it might be. So I think when you when you apply that kind of idea to the experience I had, I think that it is some kind of large scale emotional outpouring or large scale focus especially when you have a personal connection to that location or that event i think that's what maybe drives our our connection to those kinds of experiences and events so the global consciousness project uh, in terms of does the measurement does it also do things to assist us in global consciousness to help the world unfold I think that's where they're they're aiming to take the project for sure. I think at the moment they're trying to develop it so that it could be some kind of early warning device or some, something like that. But again, it would be difficult to try and pinpoint exactly what event is being predicted, if you like, with a system like that. Whereas when it's a precognitive out-of-body experience or a precognitive dream, those kinds of things tend to give us more of an understanding of what might actually happen in terms of imagery and things like that. Absolutely, yeah. We're coming up to our second great break now, Graham, so we'll take that. It's Peter Tung for Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation. This is the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. How can you make holistic health care work for you? When you are in search of wholeness, it's time to listen to Mind, Body, Spirit, Living a Holistic Life with host Renee David Alkali. Here you will find cutting-edge information that approaches the human being as a biochemical, individual, whole person, rather than as a set of isolated symptoms. Learn how it all comes together on Mind, Body, Spirit, Living a Holistic Life, live every Wednesday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific on 7th Wave. Do you want to reach your highest potential in your personal and business life? Come and join our heart-centered community with Peter Tung and Sherry Chase. Embrace love, abundance, integrity, and personal empowerment in a safe and sacred space for your awakening. Our intention is to lay the groundwork for you to advance your awareness efficiently, to be fully involved in the conscious co-creation of peace and prosperity on our beautiful planet. Go to MyHeartCenteredJourney.com for more information. Invite meaning and inspiration to your life. This is the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Listening to Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation with Peter Tong. If you have a question for Peter or comment on this series, please send an email to descendingdove at gmail.com. That's descendingdove at gmail.com. Now back to our program. Welcome back to Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation with your host, Peter Tung. just want to take this opportunity to thank our sponsors for this series of shows. 
Sherry Chase of Chase International Real Estate Company in beautiful Lake Tahoe and Reno, Nevada. And also to thank Brandy Jackson, my producer, and Matt, our regular engineer from Voice America, uh, who provide the opportunity for us to have, bring these shows to you and these wonderful experts that come to the show on Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation. And one of those special guests is Graham Nichols joining me today, having a really fascinating discussion about out-of-body experience with someone who has had literally hundreds, probably even thousands of them. So, Graham, I'd love you to uh, to chat with us a little bit now about experiences you've had in in leaving the body and traveling out into the universe, and what that's what that's been like for you. Okay, well, um, I guess the, the the most powerful ones in some ways have, have been the more experimental out of body experiences that I've had, where I've had a greater degree of control. There's not always lots of control often I prefer to go with the experience but in some instances there's been um, a greater degree of control and I've tried to explore things like uh, traveling to the to the sun for example um, which is one experience that really stands out in my in my memory of my uh, explorations with that kind of thing um, because it was almost like I experienced the energy or the um, the force of the of that center of our solar system within that particular out of body experience, and I, I was able to reach the sun in a very short period of time, which was interesting to me at the time because I was ex- experimenting with whether an out of body experience can travel faster than the speed of light, for example. Um, this was a bit of my scientific brain coming in again. Um, and what, what, so did you con- tried- what did you conclude about that? Well, I, I, I was traveling faster than the speed of light because I worked out the, the time that, that, that it was necessary for the light to come from the sun to, to earth and how long it took me to reach the sun in the experience. And it was only a matter of seconds, essentially. And, um, so it was faster than, than my calculation. Um, I don't recall the exact time that it takes now off the top of my head, but it was a, it was a longer period of time. So that was interesting to me just on that level of how our universe works, what the mechanism within out of body experiences is, what you're traveling in or through. Um, so all of those kinds of things, I think, really uh, make us look at the universe in a different way and consider that maybe consciousness is is the key behind everything, you know. It's, it's very hard to, to know, but I think it's really fascinating to explore all of those kinds of things. Um, a more recent experience in terms of uh, in space was one where I found myself moving over what I initially thought was, was our moon, our local moon. Um, and I found very quickly that the surface looked very different. It had more of a smooth quality to it that looked a bit different to the local moon that I was used to in photographs and images, etc. Um, and then as I continued on in the experience, there was a kind of ridge that ran through the whole of this moon. It seemed to divide the moon almost in half. And then I found that on one side of the moon, it was discolored, had a different, completely different color quality to the other side. So these were very distinctive features to this 
to this moon um, that were different to the local one. And I thought maybe I would be able to identify it and get some kind of verification that there was actually a, a moon like that in our solar system because I still felt quite strongly that this was within our solar system. Um, and then when I came back to my physical body, I researched it. I went online and almost instantly when I typed in the description, up came one of the, I think it's the third largest moon of of Saturn. Um, it's called Ipicus and it's uh, very distinctive. It has this ridge that runs through it and it has the discoloration as I saw in the out-body experience. And another interesting factor that I found out recently is as far as is currently known, it's the only moon in our solar system that looks like that, that has this uh, this ridge running through the centre of it. And so having had these experiences of now going out into the the universe in the Milky Way galaxy, what what is your sense of it all and, and where we fit into it? Oh, um I, I guess I guess from space it's just this sense of really exploring and want, wanting to know where the origins of everything comes from to some degree. Um, obviously, things like is there life out there is another question that, that's interesting to me. I've never seen anything that's um, that you could call intelligent life, but I did have one experience where I saw what, what looked like a plant, a kind of plant life um, on, on a planet, but I have no idea where exactly that was. Um, but that seemed to be within one of the experiences as well. That was a very long time ago. Um, but that's the only thing I've ever seen in that context. But I guess it just uh, reminds us how tiny we are on, on many levels. It uh, reminds us that there's a degree of humility needed within all of this kind of work. and that, um, But at the same time, that there's so much available to us if we explore consciousness and if we work with these kinds of processes, we can really explore the universe and explore ourselves in a way that uh, nothing else gives us the opportunity to. And in mentioning plants, I did want to ask you about, uh, in your book, The Avenues of the Human Spirit, you talk about the importance of solitude and stillness and being out in nature can you talk to us a bit about that sure well i guess within my own within my own spiritual practice the the kinds of ideas that have come out of these experiences a sense of interconnectedness with nature i've had experiences in the out of body state where i felt that my whole awareness has gone into plants and uh connected with nature connected with other animals you know this, this just this sense that I'm not separate, that I'm part of a bigger system. And I guess that's, that's really drawn me to go out into nature. And, and to some degree, because I grew up in the middle of London in this big city, I had a desire to go out and be in nature, be on my own. And, and I've always had a, an interest in kind of pushing myself to some degree, going out of my comfort zone getting away from the things that distract us, the the TV, the the media, the you know, all these things that we're constantly focusing on. And I wanted to go out and I wanted to try and say, is there a part of myself that isn't influenced, that isn't the result of all of these things? Um, family, friends, uh, 
influences from the media, etc. Is there a core aspect to my myself that spirit, the human spirit, if you like, from the title of the book? I wanted to get a sense of is there a, a true me, a kind of me beyond all of that? And in some ways, going out into nature and just going right back to this very very simple state. Um, when I do that, I'll usually go on my own out into nature. I'll follow a, follow a stream or something like that. Uh, so I have water, and I'll just go out and I'll um, camp out in in nature, and I'll meditate, and I'll try to connect with the environment I'm in, and I'll just explore my own conscious awareness. Um, so that's really the value of that, I think, and it's in all spiritual traditions. I think that sense of uh, closing down to some degree, switching things off. I think when when you switch off the senses you allow that innocence to come to the fore. So whether you're dealing with meditation or um, whatever kind of practice you're thinking about, whatever spiritual discipline you can think of, they all have this sense at some level of either focusing in just on one sense or of uh, switching off the senses to some degree to allow something else to come to the fore. It could be just like a shaman going on a vision quest um, or a you know a Buddhist meditating in a temple, they all have this sense of going beyond the the senses. And you had a fairly significant experience in um, Avebury Stone Circle in the south of England. Yeah, I've, I, Avebury has been a place that I've I've liked to visit uh, throughout my life. So do I. I first, <laughs> <laughs> I first went there when I was around fifteen. Um, so not long after my first out-of-body experiences and when I was really exploring all of these things and saying, well, you know, looking into different esoteric ideas, pagan ideas, all these different things that are out there and wanted to really see what, what's out there in terms of the UK and my, my own uh, ancestral heritage, I guess, to some degree. So, yeah, Avery's been one place that I've definitely visited a lot and had a connection with. But there's many places, and I, I think it's, in, in a way, it's each environment has a different thing that it can share with us, teach us, change us in some sense. So when we spend time and we engage with those different places, they have a, a different impact on us. Uh, so I think that's the the power of doing those kinds of things. Everywhere you go, in a way, you can you can to some degree explore the the signature, the uniqueness of that place. And how how do you do that? How do you tune into a, a place when you go into a completely different area, a new country, even into a different environment outdoors? How do you connect intentionally with that with that energy, that frequency there? I think by by letting go of the the usual senses and focusing into my inner awareness and then almost stretching out from that point connecting out from that inner awareness that part of me that's not not switched on with the usual senses the 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 core aspect of myself if you like I start to to open up from from that level, and then impressions and different things, different connections, different ideas, images, etc., start to arise. As you're talking here, Graham, I've got these 
cormorants flying around just outside my window in these trees <laughs> outside, and I'm thinking, what's their message for us today? <laughs> it's just beautiful, absolutely beautiful. We'll take our final break. It's Peter Tung for Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation. The 7th Wave Channel on The Voice America Network. Do you want to reach your highest potential in your personal and business life? Come and join our heart-centered community with Peter Tung and Sherry Chase. Embrace love, abundance, integrity, and personal empowerment in a safe and sacred space for your awakening. Our intention is to lay the groundwork for you to advance your awareness efficiently, to be fully involved in the conscious co-creation of peace and prosperity on our beautiful planet. Go to MyHeartCenteredJourney.com for more information. We all want peace. We all desire a more meaningful life. We work hard to achieve these things, but at what avail? The key is authentic living with Andrea Matthews. Andrea will interview some of the great spiritual experts of today and will provide wisdom to help you raise your consciousness to the level of your own I am. Your authenticity can give you miraculous gifts, but you have to know how to get there. Listen for Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. Heard live every Wednesday afternoon at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the 7th Wave Network. The Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Seek greater awareness. You're listening to Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation with Peter Tong. If you have a question for Peter or comment on this series, please send an email to descendingdove at gmail.com. That's descendingdove at gmail.com. Now back to our program. Welcome back to Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation with your host, Peter Tung. I have with me today Graham Nichols, who has written two Fantastic books. One is called Avenues of the Human Spirit, and the other is called Navigating the Outer Body Experience. The first book is very much Graham's own personal journey through the outer body experiences that he had and how that has led him to where he is today in terms of his understanding of the spiritual realms and his own spiritual journey. And the Navigating the Outer Body Experience is a, is a phenomenal book. If you have an interest in this particular process, it's full of information about the out-of-body experience with a huge appendix giving you all sorts of techniques that you can use to have the out-of-body experience safely and, uh, and, and to expand your awareness and your consciousness. So, Graham, just let our listeners know a little bit about um, your website and the books and any upcoming things you have going on. Okay, well, the website is uh, grahamnichols.com. And that's Nichols with two L's. And it, it essentially is a resource uh, for information about the out-of-body experience. It's not just about my my courses and, and the teaching that I do. It also has lots of articles and interviews and information on there. 
So I'm trying to build that up and make that more of a, a site where people can come and find out things and exchange and contact me, etc. Um, I do teach directly one-on-one, which I think is the best way to teach these kinds of things because you can really personalize the system. If people look at my second book, The Navigating the Outbody Experience, they'll find that it has a questionnaire which is designed to personalize the approach to learning to have out-of-body experiences. And that's really how I teach. I try to look at the individual, find the unique qualities of that person and use those to optimize their chances of having consistent out-of-body experiences. Um, So that's what I do within the coaching. I do do workshops as well. I have one coming up in London on the 15th of March. So the details of that are also on the website. So that's really how I work. I've also developed sound technology and the immersive technology as well, which is designed to help people have their own experiences. But the uh, sound technology is available on the website as well. So that's a unique technology that doesn't use binaural beats or isochronic tones, the usual stuff that's out there. It's focused on inducing the vibrational state, which is a key state for having out-of-body experiences, and it's very effective at doing that. So let's talk a little bit about the immersive uh, technology that you developed some time ago to help people have this experience. Well, the the first structure I I created um, I called Epicene uh, because it's, again, this sort of in-between liminal type state in between conscious and unconscious was kind of the idea as a sort of poetic title but that that particular structure i built in 1998 and it also used the first version of the infraliminal sound that i just mentioned Uh, and the idea was to create something that would suggest to the unconscious mind in every way possible that your intention was to have an out-of-body experience so what i found is that if we can add in a small element here and there to give a greater sense of the bigger picture of, for example, you lift the person off of the ground onto a platform and they have a sense of floating, that gives them maybe something like a 5% better chance of going into an actual floating situation in the out-body experience. Then if you bring in the sound, that gives them again another level, takes them close to the edge of having the experience then if you bring in maybe something like hypnosis and um, you affect the temperature, you use light, maybe virtual reality. I've worked with high-end virtual reality at London Science Museum, building a structure that took over a year of development and use full stereoscopic 3D like you would see in, a, in the cinemas today. Uh, but this was sort of 10 years before that became regularly used in cinema. So... I've developed all these tools, if you like, to to create a better chance of having the out-of-body experience and of programming the unconscious to really allow you to, to go into that state for yourself. And if people are committed and, uh, to having the experience, what, what, what are the sort of uh, percentage chances of actually having a full out-of-body experience from your experience? Well, well it, it will depend on the individual, of course. I mean, every, it, like I mentioned with any kind of learning process, it, it will depend how much work they put in and what their natural uh, abilities are. But I think uh, because of the one-on-one approach that I take, 
and the technology that I use, I think it maximizes the chances above just doing it in the usual way that the of using visualization techniques. For example, a lot of the time people will give uh, the person learning a one-size-fits-all approach. And maybe, for example, that they're not very good at visualization, but they give them a visualization technique. Or maybe they're more of a morning person and they're given a technique to do during the evening and then they fall asleep because actually they would be far better doing it in the morning. So it's about really looking at the individual and making the best catered system for that individual, so maximizing their chances of being successful. So I think that way it gives a much better chance than the average approaches that you could you could come across. But I don't have an exact figure of the percentage chances, but I think uh, most people have, at the very least, the vibrational state and very, very uh, significant uh, perceptions and psychical awareness, things like that. So what would you say, we've only got a couple of minutes left, Graham, what would you say are actually the most important benefits that you have had, I mean it's a big question in two minutes, but <laughs> that, that you have had from these experiences, what would you say the greatest benefits are? I think a real transformation of, of who I am as a person, I think, from coming from quite a harsh background in London and having this real shift and transformation in my sense of self, my levels of compassion. I've had this kind of growth of a sense of interconnectedness with everything everything around me. It's just given me this kind of inner calm, I guess, that I, I just didn't have before. And my health has improved. I think it's led me to be more compassionate, to become vegan, to uh, do so many things in my life that maybe I wouldn't have done to travel, to learn. So I think it just really opens you up and uh, gives you the kind of quality of life, in a sense, that, that I think it's all about with spirituality and your connection with others. And there's a peace and a calm and a serenity about you that's uh, palpable. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm actually feeling – I, I have this feeling inside, Graham, which I had when I spoke to you before the show uh, last weekend, of this a somewhat excited anticipation as if this is something perhaps I should be <laughs> looking into myself. <laughs> so, oh, okay. So I will be definitely uh, – reading the Navigating the Edge Body Experience very carefully and see how it, where it takes me. Okay, great. Glad to hear it. <laughs> well, Graham, I've really enjoyed this time uh, together. I, you, you're doing wonderful work in the world. Thank you for exposing all of this uh, wonderful information, which we, there's so much we haven't covered, and, and this whole issue of time and space and consciousness and, and impacting the world through our conscious loving connection it's all a potentially a phenomenal future so thank you so much for joining me you're very welcome well i hope you enjoyed today's show uh, as it is uh, wednesday we actually the next two weeks are christmas day and new year's day so we're doing encore presentations next week my own show that i did a few weeks ago reflecting upon what has taken place uh, in the world over this course of this year and uh, on New Year's Day, Neil Kramer's interview, which I felt was a really significant interview to take us into the new year. So those will be the next two weeks. And then on January the 8th, uh, Joan and John Walker will be joining me to talk about your pathway to freedom. So have a wonderful holiday. 
uh, enjoy New Year's Day, the new moon in Capricorn. It's actually one of those years when you should actually look at your New Year's resolutions on that day as we go into the new moon, new moon in Capricorn. I hope you've enjoyed today's show. Have a couple wonder of weeks, a couple of wonderful weeks, and I'll rejoin you on January the 8th. It's Peter Tung. We're awakening to conscious co-creation. We hope that you found this week's show to be enlightening and inspiring. Please join host Peter Tung for another edition of Awakening to Conscious Creation next Wednesday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, noon Pacific Time on 7th Wave Network.